Welcome to Parent to Parent, real-life tips to raise resilient kids. A podcast from Communities That Care of Greater Downingtown. This is Chrissy Jambowski, and I have two young kids. And I'm Beth Ann Sinelli, and I have two adult kids. Together, we'll meet with experts and fellow parents to share personal stories and provide support and actionable steps to strengthen your family and raise healthy kids. We're glad you're here. Let's get started. Welcome to Parent to Parent. This is Beth Ann. And this is Chrissy. And today we are answering the question of how does our own, us as parents, anxiety and mental health impact our kids? Does it impact them? So we have spent a lot of time talking on this podcast and other parent programs focusing on our kids' mental health, but then what about us as parents and our own mental health? Um, so in prepping for this episode, I actually went and tried to look up some stats and facts. And actually the CDC, so Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they have a section, a whole page dedicated to children's mental health. And on there, they say, uh, cite a study that shows one in 14 kids have a parent or caregiver with poor mental health. But then as an opposite of this or kind of related to it from the other side of it, I found another study that shows um, that from Pew that recently came out that shows around 40% of parents are extremely worried or very worried about their kids' mental health. So we may be worried about our kids being anxious or depressed and also dealing with our own mental health struggles. So what is the impact of all of this? And more importantly, how can we cope and help ourselves to then take care of our kids? So to talk through all of this with us today, we have Mike Smolensky, a therapist and clinical director at our partner agency, Scenare Today. Um, so Mike, welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, thanks so much, Christy and Bethan, for having me on the show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm going to do my best to answer your questions and hopefully help some parents. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Chrissy. Um, and as Chrissy mentioned, Mike, you know, we do spend a lot of time talking about the mental health and it's a lot about kids and what are kids experiencing and how can we help them and how can we be tuned in to what they're dealing with. And then sometimes at the expense of the parents' side who may also be dealing with their own challenges and, and mental health and issues or, or anxiety. And as Chrissy also mentioned, um, something that also could be, I guess, um, um, increased by their their kids you know you're worried you're worried about you about your children and, and so many things about them so um before we sort of get into um what's happening with kids and what's happening with parents today mike if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what your role is at scenario today and the ages of clients that you typically talk to during the week Absolutely happy to. So I'm the, currently the clinical director of the company. So I pretty much, you know, handle a lot of the, at this point, handle a lot of the supervisions of the staff um, and just making sure, you know, the, the quality, the clinical quality is always top notch. Uh, it's something we believe in very much here at Sonari today. Uh, in addition, I've been a treating clinician for over 20 years, trying not to reveal my age. Um, so, you know, it's been a minute since I've done this uh, therapy stuff. Uh, over the last 15 years specifically, I focus mostly on, you know, adolescents, right? So I guess uh, in my business, once you say you're okay to work with an adolescent, you kind of unofficially become an adolescent therapist. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of how it worked for me too. Uh, it's not necessarily something that I set out to do, but I really love that age group in particular. Um, I feel like, you know, I've been called the adolescent whis whisperer by some people just joking around. So that's kind of fun. 
yeah, so that age group in particular is 14 to 18 years old. Uh, when we, we do primarily IOPs at this point, which is an intensive outpatient programs at Snari today. Uh, so doing th those groups, I'm running groups typically, which are high school age, which is 14 to 18 years old. Uh, we do have child tween groups, you know, uh, as well. And, you know, all kind of other services there, but that that's been kind of my main area for the last 15 years, at least, uh, adolescence. And I just, again, I have a real passion for it. So, so a good place to start would be, um, so really, I want to ask you, what are you seeing trending among the parents maybe that you may be working with if you do see adults at all, or I guess the parents of, of adolescents that you're treating? Um, are we all as parents more anxious than ever before? Um, because for me personally, it seems like everyone I know is currently or in the past at some point has struggled with anxiety or depression or some sort of mental health. I feel like anxiety is probably the most reported one that people will share. Um, and I run a little anxious, so it might be like the case of like attracts like, and I'm just <laughs> attracting all of this anxiety to me. Um, but so, you know, can you share, what are you seeing as far as, as, has there been a shift or a difference? And also what are you seeing both among, you know, among parents and how, yeah, among parents, I'll stop there. So I do think, you know, the, the low hanging fruit here would say, would be to talk about COVID and how that affected everything. And I think just naturally, mental health in general took a big spike just because of that. It was something that no one was prepared for, you know, uh, and no precedent that was before that we could say, Oh, you know, the last pandemic when we all did this, there was no such thing. So I do think we saw an uptick just in general in, you know, any kind of mental health issue uh, to your point, Chrissy, anxiety and depression are probably the two most common that people will verbalize or know about enough where they can say, I have this or I have that. Um, having said that, I don't know that I've seen something, you know, I, I don't look at it at all of a sudden people are more anxious. I actually think that it's just easier to talk about now, right? So one of the positive byproducts of COVID is I think mental health became more mainstream. Mm -hmm. we, have, we have a long way to go. I mean, we really do. I think we all know this. But overall, I think, you know, you're seeing commercials now, even for the NFL, where you know, players are openly talking about their mental health, uh, which, which, which again is a great, great thing, uh, especially if in that forum, because, you know, people tend to look at celebrities, athletes, whatnot, as kind of a nice gateway to, oh, okay, they're talking about it. Now I can talk about it. So I think that's really what you see is you see more exposure. And because of that exposure, people seem to be more open to talk about, you know, their anxiety, their depression, their mental health in general. So you'll see that on the parent level as well, where it's now, I think, a little bit easier to say, you know, I'm, I'm really scared. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen to my kid or I'm struggling with my own stuff and how do I deal with this? So I think that's great. Uh, so I hope that answers your question. So I don't know if I'm seeing more. I think it's just like I said, I think one of those situations where there's more exposure and people can talk about it more freely, which I'm a, obviously I'm a therapist. I'm a big fan of. Yeah. 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 And Chrissy and I, in talking to um, our friends and colleagues that are school counselors and prevention specialists and working in school settings, um, have expressed similar um, thoughts, Mike, to what you were just describing about the okay. pandemic and the impact. And that perhaps, you know, there were folks who maybe had some low lying, low level things that were then sort of really exposed and amped up during the pandemic because of the stressors. 
um, that it placed on families. Um, and we've also had, our, again, school counselors and prevention specialists share that kids are more comfortable in discussing their own mental health concerns and issues and sharing it with their peers and then also talking pretty um you know comfortably with adults and i was just having a conversation with a very close friend who's a school counselor at a high school last night and i don't know quite what's going on right now but she said it's been a week and um you know and and she'll like just in general say like yeah the kinds of conversations and what kids are comfortable expressing we may never have not have been that comfortable. But as I find it interesting, though, about the parents' side of that, because I have two uh, young adult or adult children at 25 and 28 years of age, and I saw them come through that, that time of getting much more comfortable and even sharing what medications each other is on and their friends are on and not no real stigma to that. But what I didn't see was the parents' side of that, because I still felt that parents wanted to sort of protect the normalcy or not they it, it was that it was taking that chance of being vulnerable and people judging you as a parent yeah. and or saying well are you the one contributing to your child's mental health issues because you have x y and z so i i, I just kind of like step back and I, I i see the kid thing but then i i also see parents who i know may have been struggling or but they're also not comfortable discussing it because some people sort of blame them. Well, you kind of like put your kids in this situation. You kind of created their anxiety or you, and do you have, do you, do you hear that? Like do parents that not only say it's blame and I don't think people intentionally blame, but you feel like they're talking about you behind your back blame. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you, yeah, definitely <laughs> glad you brought that up, Beth Ann. So it, it goes without saying that the role that the parent is in there's a lot attached to that role, a lot of expectations, yeah. right? So fair or not, we're expected to be perfect to your point, right? You know, where it's, we can't have our own problems because we have to help our kids. And right. as a parent and, and my daughter's 14. So my revenge is here as my joke is, uh, you know, all these kids I've been working with now, my <laughs> daughter is the same age. So that's always fun. That's always so fun. it's, it's, yeah, it's that same thing where, you know, when you get, especially when your kid, you know, gets old enough where they're beyond, you know, like infancy toddler stage, there is that pressure where you can't screw up, right? You, you have to raise this perfect human being and put them into the world because the world is a, is a scary place. And also to your point, judges you all the time, judges your kid all the time. So, and, and, and what we would consider being a good parent Right. And I'm not saying I believe in this, but I think the perception is being a good parent is doing everything right all the time. Yes. Right. So not 100%. making not making a mistake, yep. not being vulnerable. So it creates this yeah. kind of vacuum, which you also refer to, where it's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to say, you know, I have a problem or I'm not good at mm -hmm. this or I need help with yep. this. Instead, you just have to kind of keep it to yourself, plow ahead. You know, as the kids would say, fake it till you make it, which uh, I have a huge yeah. problem with that as a therapist. I, I do not think it's a good strategy. Oh. Short term, sure, Short but term. not long term. Oh. You know, it's, it's going to bite you, you know, at some yeah, point. Yeah. So, I, you know, again, I think it's nice to see that mental health is more mainstream, but that's what I meant, you know, a couple of minutes mm -hmm. ago. And I said, we still have a long way to go because it's really, really hard to fight that perception that I have to do everything right because I'm the parent. Yeah. 
you know, and then the expectations that are attached to that, you know, it, yeah. it, it's definitely a pet peeve of mine, you know? Yeah. Cause I feel like parents, if they are, you know, whether they have their own therapist or whether they're just dealing with, with things, um, mental health issues, I think it's really difficult sometimes then because your anxiety and that people might be feeling that you're, you know, that's why your kids are having their experiences or you're sort of taking too much care of yourself, not enough care of your kid. I mean, I just think that there, and probably none of this really actually happens as much as we think it does. I think we just have this perception that that's how we're being perhaps being judged by others, you know, or by other parents and, that's what they're that's what they're talking about when you see that little group of parents together and you're feeling like, you know. Yeah, look how perfect parents. they are. Yeah. And then look yeah. at me. Yeah. You know? And now I laugh. I will say the beauty of being older and having older <laughs> kids is I wish I could go back and tell my younger self, like, who cared? For heaven's sake, what what did you like, you know, when my kids were dealing with their issues and yes, we had therapists and yes, we were it's it's all there and we're now on the other side of it. And I'm like, oh, I just wasted so much time and energy, like worrying about what people thought about me as a parent and that I was dealing with stuff. And gosh, we just burned so much time and energy on that. But when you're stuck in it, you can't see that it, it seriously really does not matter that much down the road, mm-hmm. whatever you were worried about. That's like, that's my, that's my old parent advice for the day. <laughs> old parent, older parent wisdom. For the day. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to teach my daughter that same lesson probably since she oh. turned ten years old. So and oh. I'm a therapist, so it's my excuse, right? Uh, oh, so that's another yeah. thing. If you're a professional, yeah. if you're an educator, or you know, Chrissy, if you worked in prevention and behavioral health, and you know, I've been an educator for forty years. Heaven forbid you not get it right because you clearly knew. <laughs> it's it's always like, how could that be my kid when I, you know. I'm teaching this stuff. I know this stuff. So right. it's all those, it's all those expectations. But all right. So the next question though, that I, that I think when we're talking about parents and kids and that interaction um, as a parent, what might anxiety or depression look like when interacting with my kids? So, and I'm not sure, Christy, I know that when we had this question out there, were we thinking like, okay, I'm a, a mom and maybe perhaps, you know, I'm dealing with anxiety. And so what does it, my behavior look like? Yeah. Like, what does it look like, like how, when, yeah, when you're interacting with your kids, how can that present itself? Because yeah, and, you in your mind might be thinking, wow, I'm feeling real stressed out and my mind is spinning yeah. and I'm feeling real anxious, but I'm going to keep it to myself and no one's going to yeah. sense my anxiety. Surely <laughs> they won't pick up on this, but I, I'm it, curious to see what uh, Mike, you have to say of like how this actually looks to how, how it kind of does. Cause I think, yeah, I'm interested to see what Mike has to say about yeah. this. Yeah, but Chrissy, don't sure. you think it goes the other way, though, too? You you could try to keep it to yourself and think you're under control and your kids don't sense it, but then you can also lose it. 100%. Like, then you can have that implosive, like, ah, moment. Totally. Where then you, like, back up and do the, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I just, I kind of, like, really went in, a like, a crazy place right mm-hmm. there for a second. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it, what it looks like, right, it's a continuum of what it could look like, I think. I agree. Again, thinking about my own cringeworthy moments as a parent, but yes. Oh, uh, it's okay. We don't, this is a judge-free zone, Bethann. Okay. So that's true. Yeah. Zoom land, judge-free zoom yes, land. Yes, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> to, your, to your point as well, it, I would say it's a continuum. So sometimes it's going to look like what you would expect depression and anxiety to look like, you know, and again, I think anyone can Google common symptoms for that. So whether it's 
you know, not coming out of your bedroom or just feeling high strung all the time, you know, can't relax. That would probably be the more obvious stuff that you would expect, you know, again. And sometimes you do see that, right? I've, I've worked with plenty of parents where, you know, they're anxious. As soon as you talk to them, whether it's on the phone or in person, you're like, okay, I know where the kid gets it from. I totally understand, you know, and, and that's actually nice for me because you can draw that line and there's, it takes the randomness out of it. But then, and you brought this up, Beth Ann, I'm glad you did, because a lot of times I think where, how this shows up is it shows up in a different way where the kid might be confused where it's coming from, which I just think overall makes things 10 times worse, right? So you mentioned anger, that's, that's an easy one, right? Where all of a sudden you're yelling at your kid, you're really, really irritable, and it seemingly comes out of nowhere, right? It's, it's the proverbial, you know, short fuse. You know, your kid asks a question and parent blows up, you know, and the kid's naturally saying, where did that come from? You know, yeah. All I did was ask if I could eat that, that chocolate chip cookie that was on the kitchen table. And all of a sudden it was, you know, fire and brimstone from mom or dad. <laughs> where did that come from? You know, and the younger the kid, the less likely they are to understand that reaction. Yeah. Right. So you have to remember it gets kind of scary because naturally as human beings, I think you look at other people's behavior. Your first place is to look at yourself and blame yourself first. Right. And when you're young, you don't have, you know, a mini therapist usually that's looked down upon following you around mm -hmm. uh, saying, you know, hey, it's OK that mom or dad blew up there. That's not your fault. That's something that's going on with mom and dad. Right. Now, again, we talked about this concept already where if you are in a household or just in an environment where you can't openly talk about your own stuff. Right. How is that opportunity going to present itself to that kid? So without even knowing it, that kid could be internalizing that whole situation or situations, right? It's usually not just one. Yeah. And then is developing this kind of thought process or narrative around what that stuff looks like. And then that gets carried out in the world and it multiplies. So whenever yeah. someone reacts to me this way or it looks, you know, kind of seemingly out of nowhere, it must be my fault. Right. So two things are happening. One, the parents not getting the help they need in that moment mm -hmm. or moments. And then the kid has the, you run the risk of the kid now taking that and turning it into yeah. something that has nothing to do with them. And then starts to damage them. Right. And I'm probably skipping ahead on how it affects the kids. So no, I'm sorry. Okay, go I'm, ahead. No, keep going. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. 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 So, so anger would be one of them. I think, uh, being overly emotional could be another one. So swinging yeah. in the complete opposite direction, uh, just getting easily upset, uh, crying, you know, things like that. Again, for the, through the kid's eyes or experience or perception, where's that coming from? Right. I asked the question, mom or dad completely fell apart basically. Right. And it's scary to see them fall apart. Right. Because again, mm -hmm. we go back to the expectation Dad, mom yeah. need to be a super, superhero, right? Uh, I joke yeah. around all the time in my sessions that I think part of my a big part of my job as an adolescent therapist is to, and it sounds so simplistic, but is to humanize parents, mm. right? So it's like, by the way, they're not superheroes. I know you guys probably logically know that, but do you emotionally understand what that means? Yeah. Right. So, so again, there's this perception that mm. I can't talk about how I really feel because I, I'm afraid of what the result of that's going to be. 
So the irony is, you're right, I don't want to mess up my kid. I don't want to affect my kid in a negative way. Mm -hmm. So I'll keep it to myself. But then it winds up doing that anyway. Mm, Exactly. Potentially causing an unintentional response, which is pretty scary if you think about it. Yeah, and it does become, you're right, they just, then they just generalize that. You know, then it becomes interactions with anybody, anybody else, anywhere else, and they just sort of assume that they're somehow because they're the common denominator they must somehow be responsible for whatever and then i wonder also though mike to the flip of chris that question that chrissy asked um i think you have to be like super careful right like you can certainly you know explain depending again what's developmentally appropriate at that age but i also think your kids can't be your therapist so you can't you know you can also i mean you you can because you can reach an age where And I would say that now that, okay, my kids are in their 20s, and we certainly have some incredible conversations about that now. And now they'll freely talk about their perception of things when they were 14 years old. And I'm like, really? You What? Did we, like, even live in the same? Like, okay, we were all in the same storm, but not the same boat here. I mean, like, what was that? Yeah. And you can have it then. And then, you know, I can get emotional then, and they can get emotional because we're way older. But- I do remember that when we had, you know, crisis and situations when they were growing up, like you got to hold it. You do have to hold it together a little bit because they're not my therapist, mm-hmm. right? My kids can't fix it. It's it's the thing that, and I'll link no. to this, The our most recent parent speaker series that we did, um, our speaker, he, Lex, he, Ramalad, he's a, he uh, shared a quote. I know he, Lex, yeah, he's a good guy. So he yeah. just did our parent speaker series and it's recorded and I'll yeah, link yeah. it in the show notes. Um, but yeah. one of the things, it was all about boundaries, healthy boundaries, healthy family. So kind of very adjacent to this. And yes. he had this quote of, we can't have our emotional needs met by our children. And I was just like, wow. That's yeah. like a mic truck, wow. like quote thing like (laughs) just like whoa that's like quite profound but also very wise and it really does speak to Mm -hmm. kind of what Bethany's talking about just of like it's like finding the balance of humanizing ourselves for our kids to be like no I'm like a real per it's almost like when you were a kid and you would see your teacher at the grocery store and you're like wait they leave the school like they go and they get food like they're a human like they have a house that they go like you think that they just live in like the classroom and that's where they always are you're just like i remember being a little kid and you're just dumbfounded seeing like it's like place people in places and spaces you're like why is why is my teacher not at school that's the only place that they should ever be but like also humanizing you know as parents like it's that balance of yes talking and it is i think becoming easier being more making it more like the norm of talking about your feelings, talking about your struggles, like, hey, I'm having a really hard time, you know, yeah. whatever it is, kind of, if you blow up, kind of go back and try to apologize and repair that. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think it's also hard because I think we also have this natural instinct of what you were saying to just like, well, it's not their job to fix things for me. I don't want to lay my stuff on them. Like, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a fine line to kind of tiptoe on to balance it all. Yeah, and that and related to that line, Chrissy, the solution to this solution's a bad word here, but the solution to this is not to unload it on your kids and yeah. have them become your mini therapists, uh, you know, which is what Beth Ann just said, right? Yeah. So it is finding that balance. And again, I'm probably skipping ahead for No, just go uh, ahead and answer different, yeah. different Yeah. Yeah, well just it it goes back to, you know, we're 
we don't have to be perfect, right? But when we are struggling, how do we receive help for that or where do we go, right? So hopefully it goes without saying, you don't put it into your kids. I've worked with plenty of, you know, adolescents who will come to the sessions and they'll talk about that very thing where, you know, I'm my mom or my dad's therapist and Uh I can't do this. Right. I have my own stuff, you know, I'm, I'm suicidal or I'm depressed or I'm anxious or I'm self-harming. I, I don't have, I can't, I don't have the emotional capacity to deal with my mom or my dad right now, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm glad that you guys mentioned that. Cause I do think that that's something that also has to be taken into account when you're talking about, I'm struggling with my own stuff as a parent and where do I put that? Right. So the solution isn't, you know, Oh, I have a human being here and it happens to be my kid. So let's do it. Right. That's what we call the warm body syndrome. And, you know, I think we all know how that kind of goes, you know, just because you have a physical person in front of you doesn't mean that that's going to be the best person. I'll joke around and I have nothing against uh, uh, hairdressers. My dad's wife is a hairdresser. Uh, I wouldn't go to a hairdresser, you know, if I had a broken leg. Right. So it's a human being. Yeah. Right. But I can't rely on that person to fix my broken leg. They're not going to be able to get it done. They don't have the skill set that's going to help me heal that broken bone. So I'd have to Mm -hmm. go find that person. Now, that's easier said than done because there are barriers to that. You know, and I don't know how much time we want to spend on that. I think, you know, we have to look at the the realistic uh, logistics of that. But there are people out there, and it doesn't have to be a therapist, which is ironic because I'm a therapist. So, Chris, I can <laughs> this would be my you know spot to put a plug in for therapy. Yeah, right. An ad break. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. Absolutely. So I do. I think because we, we're starting to talk a little bit about coping skills and things. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we get back. Mike's going to tell us a little bit more of coping skills and things that we can do, maybe with professional help, maybe on our own and other things. So we'll be right back. Chrissy, is that you? Cheryl, oh my gosh, how are you? Good, I was just thinking about you. I've been missing the days when we used to hang out with the kids. I miss those days too. Parenting isn't getting any easier. I wish I could connect with other parents like I used to. Have you heard that our CTC parent-to-parent peer support groups are ready to start? They are? Tell me more. Well, CTC already does a lot for parents and youth in the Downingtown community. Now they're starting parent support groups. Would you like to come with me? There's a new topic each month, and it will be a relaxed and casual conversation guided by a parenting professional. I'm expecting it to be much better than searching on Google for an hour. Oh, you do that too? Yes, I'd love to join you. Fantastic. I'll text you the link, but it's easy to remember. It's dtownctc.org. Then click the parent to parent tab and choose peer support groups. Listen, I'm going to run, but let's definitely plan to go together to the next session. That sounds great. I'm so glad I saw you today. I'll look for your text for the info about the parent to parent peer support group. So in our in our final part of the podcast today, what we'd like to talk about um, is we always want to make sure that we talk about coping strategies and sort of um, helpful things and, and takeaways from our conversation today. So Mike, we were wondering if you could share with us ways that parents can cope with their own mental health and then how that not only would benefit the parent, but also ultimately benefit the, the children. Yeah. So this is always the moment where I have to try to not be overly cliche where the therapist recommends therapy. So <laughs> yeah. be forewarned before I answer. Forewarned. 
So obviously, you know, again, I, I alluded to this a couple of minutes ago that therapy doesn't always mean you have to go to a therapist, right? So again, I think you should obviously seek a professional if you're looking for that particular type of service, but mm-hmm. anything can be considered therapeutic, right? So we talked a lot already in this, in this particular episode about the importance of being open and being able to communicate about these issues. So again, you can do that in the more traditional format, which would mm-hmm. be, you know, therapy, but you could also do this with just people in your life that yeah. you, you know, trust and that you can be vulnerable with. I hope support is, is again, it's a huge cliche in, in my field, but it's a cliche for a reason, right? So cliches become cliches usually because they're very, very true. So having a, a really good support system is incredibly, incredibly mm-hmm. important, especially as a parent. Uh, in particular, parenting itself can be a very lonely place, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you or your partner, if you even have a partner, because there's all different configurations of what parenting looks like. But, <clears throat> excuse me, but th- there's plenty of people that are just single parents, and you are kind of alone, right? You don't mm-hmm. have that person where you could bounce things off of. Again, you shouldn't bounce off your kids. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't have that, it's good to you know be able to talk to someone. You can do that through support groups, therapy, awesome. friends, you know, parents in your neighborhood. If you have that type of relationship, mm-hmm. obviously it depends on how private you are, of course. So those are the more standard ways of doing it. The other stuff is, you know, coping skills are, uh, you know, it's, it's a pet peeve of mine in the sense that it, it's probably one of the ultimate cliches in therapy, right? I, I think any therapist is going to say coping skills, coping skills with coping skills on top, right? It's just always where we live. And I think it's very, very important. Having said that, if you think about the idea of a coping skill, right? It's temporary and it's designed to make you feel better. So there are so many different directions you can go. We hope that they're healthy. Right. So I don't think you should, you know, start taking up homicide as, as a hobby or as a (laughs) self-care strategy. Please don't do that. So, but anything to that Mm -hmm. effect can be a coping skill. And I, I I prefer that people personalize it to things that they enjoy, not just something that they read about or it sounded really cool, but then they start doing it and it's just not their jam. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, if you like exercise and that's your thing and that's a coping skill, go for it do it all day. Right. But if you don't like the ex- to exercise, but you read it about in the book, don't force yourself to do it. Cause I don't know. It's going to, if it's going to do what you want yeah. a coping skill to do. I like music. I play guitar. So I try to have music in my life every day. That's self care yeah. to me. It could be one song. It could be playing for five minutes, whatever it is. Right. Some people like to read whatever it is. Mm-hmm. again, it's very cliche to say this stuff, but it's also, you know, yeah. I don't like to overcomplicate things. I like to simplify things for people so that they can feel that they can go out and do that and don't have to read 17 psychology books to yeah, find exactly. a, you know, a coping skill. Yeah. yeah. So long answer. Sorry. No, it's a, it's a <laughs> no, that's great points. Yeah. I, I really think it is. And Chrissy, you know, I was thinking about this at lunch yesterday. We had this kind of little bit of this conversation about, about um support systems Mm. and we Mm. were talking about different cultures yes and i was discussing my son lives in spain we were having this conversation about my observations i go there you know and spend extended periods of time and i i watched and i i asked him you know i don't the the mental health conversation and 
kids in school and why aren't you seeing that what we're seeing in the u.s and what is our differences so we just had this chat at lunch yesterday christy yeah. and i do with, with another friend and colleague and it's like yeah you know i talk about their community i talk about their their support systems talk about everybody's together you're really not the only one raising your kids mm-hmm. like i can see other people stepping in and being these other and so it is that is simple as that sounds is so anti to how we operate here like you're the family you gotta you gotta you know it's all on it's all on that nuclear family those one to two parents like and we just take all of that on Mm -hmm. um which i think adds to this was why when i ask questions like well what's your mental health problems here like what's going on in the schools today and i and they're like well we don't yeah you i don't understand what goes on in the states why do you have (laughs) x y and z happening with your kids yeah you know and i'm like oh yeah it's a very different approach, and we talked about that. And and I'll, and I'll link this in the yeah. show notes too because I was I was sharing about this book that also our coworker Aria. She's I listened to the author a bunch on interviews, and then she read the book, and I was like, oh, I heard this before. I feel like I know everything. She's like, no, it's amazing. You need to read this book. And I'm not quite done listening to the audiobook of it yet, but it's called Hunt Gather Parent. Um, and it's just this she this woman who goes with her child, and I can link it up. She has a ton of interviews on other parent podcasts and things. It's fascinating. And very, very interesting Um, just to see about how other cultures have a very community approach, whereas we Mm -hmm. are very focused on the individual and we're one-on-one with our kids a lot or just the parents with the kids a lot. Like, it's just a very different approach and kind of how it might benefit us to have more of a community approach. And also, I do have have one question I want to ask you, Mike, but before that, because you talked about support groups and systems, I can't help but plug. We do have peer-to-peer we have our parent-to-parent peer support groups that are happening. I will link them in the show notes. But that really is does yeah. serve this purpose of finding yeah. other parents. I mean, we have a theme or a topic every month. We have Carol Rothera, who works at Sonari today. She's our facilitator for that program. Um, so she, we have an expert there to provide expert advice. But it also is the majority of the time, though, is parents talking to each other with Char- Carol kind of guiding the conversation, adding some professional insight and things but it is that opportunity yeah. to be like hey i'm dealing with this tween who's got so much tood and if this kid's call me brah one more time like <laughs> how, is this is this just my child or is this like among all third fourth fifth grade children <laughs> like is this a thing two more serious things as well um so that is an opportunity for support but you know thinking about parents us kind of really making setting an intention to take care of ourselves. So to do these coping skills as a way to take yeah. care of ourselves and also maybe seeing and working with a therapist as a way to work our own stuff out, not use our kids as therapists. I, I have to say, like, as we were talking earlier and I wrote a note to myself, it's very interesting because when we were talking about, like, well, I, if I'm anxious, I'm going to make my kids anxious. And and that's kind of true, but not, like, 100% true, I think is sort of what you explained is, like, you can't be to blame for everything, but you definitely play a role in that. And I've been working, and I've talked about it on here before with a therapist, and I love her for almost about a year now. And it's interesting as I am working with her, and a big part of that is doing more things for myself to coping skills, self-care stuff, like just working on myself and also working on myself and my own strategies to manage my own anxiety. I've noticed over time, my perception is like, wow, I'm less anxious. So I feel like, man, this must really be working because my kids are seem 
better behaved or more chill or a little more flexible and all of these things. But then I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Are the kids any different or am I just annoyed with them less and losing, like not losing it on them as much because I'm a little bit less like so spinny all of the time. Like, do you know, does that make sense? So I'm like, is it really like, has anything changed or maybe it's a little bit of both or has my therapist worked her like voodoo magic and I love her and she did and work that I did. Right. Cause it's, it's, you know, whatever, but that I'm just more calm. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what's the answer yeah, to that? Is that a that's thing? A great question. That's a thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to know the, the true answer without being inside the other person's brain, but don't underestimate the power of modeling, right? So if you're calm, if you're taking care of yourself, your kids are seeing that, right? And then it becomes, it's you're giving permission, not necessarily explicitly, but, you know, almost in, a, in an accidental way, right? That, hey, look, mom or dad's doing this, so it's cool for me to do this too. Right. So I, part of me would almost answer your question by saying they, they probably are doing better. Although I don't want people just to assume, you know, my kid's not talking, so everything must be okay. Or, or they're not oh, verbalizing. Oh, no. We're, oh, we're all in therapy. They have, their, show, they but, have yeah. their own people too. Don't, don't, don't you worry. Um, yes. However, yeah. that's newerly established only in the past, like two months or so. But they, they have their own yeah. people too, but then we still have our well, anxious yeah, so, and our moments and big feelings. Believe you me. Oh yes. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, I mean, I, when I talk to the, the kids that I work with, the adolescents I work with, I always say, uh, you know, it's almost like a challenge, you know, you should do something for yourself for at least five minutes every day, right? Five minutes, you know? And I think if you start to do that and you bake it into your day, and Chrissy, you were kind of just referring to that even for yourself. I do think it starts to make a difference. You might not see it right away, right? But I think it's important to set that time aside. Another way that I might say this would be don't just do the things that you have to do every day. Do at least one thing that you want to do, right? Now, again, be careful what that looks like. You could want to do a lot of things, some of them appropriate, some of them not appropriate. But I think the concept that I'm trying to explain here is something that you enjoy, right? So not something that it's like a chore or, you know, responsibility, something that has a different kind of, you know, take on it, right? Where it's not this, these have to, we're surrounded by tons of them. And especially if you're a kid, you know, you're, you you don't escape have to's until you're probably, you know, I don't know, 25. I'm being, I'm being kind (laughs) because it doesn't really end at all, but I'm trying to be optimistic here. I am a therapist. Be optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. So the have to's don't really stop. So it's nice to kind of spend some time again, five minutes can make a huge difference that you're doing something that you just really genuinely enjoy doing and you want to do it, you know, and that's part of, you know, again, self-care is another big topic or cliche in, in my field, obviously, but yeah. self-care is for anyone. You don't yeah. have to wait till you have anxiety or depression to practice self-care. You should be doing it every day. The world does not model that properly at all. Mm. Right. Because we, especially where we live in America and you kind of brought up or touched on different cultures and, we could spend, a, you know, again, like several episodes just on oh, that particular topic. So but true. we don't live in a world where slowing down is, 
you know, is, is supported Correct. or, or mm-hmm. you know, yeah, exactly. Right. So, Good. you know, usually it's like you have to be injured or sick to yes. have downtime, right. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Right. Yeah. You know, I shouldn't yeah. have to be like, you know, on my deathbed to be like, now's the time to read that book that I've wanted to read. Exactly. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it's a scary it's, place. And it's hard. It's hard to take the self-care without feeling guilty. It's hard to, to do those kinds of things with feeling like you're dropping the ball on something else. It's because Mike, you just said it. I mean, whenever you want to get off the the treadmill and try to do things a little bit differently or perhaps not follow what everybody else is doing and racing around to do a gazillion things and adding to your own stress and anxiety and your own whatever, that's a risk. And people want, I think people really like deep down want to do it. Yeah. But they, because it's not modeled because it's not happening around them. There's this, fear of what is going to happen if I do these things for myself or I pull our family out of X, Y, and Z so that we can all bring it down, you know, a little bit. And uh, because it's not supported, it's not, there's nowhere to find, it's just not, it's not out there, you know, it's not supported. Totally, yeah, totally. totally un- unfortunately, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Get off the yeah. grid. I don't know. Go <laughs> so it, it goes back to, I'm telling you, I wonder if people would buy it if we had t-shirts or like coffee mugs or something that just said time and space. It goes back to setting oh, they, that in- intention for time and yeah. space, which time I feel space. like is the same three words that I utter a lot. And, but it's also something that I bring into my own life is like looking at yeah you know, mapping out activities and calendars and like, well, we don't have to go to every birthday party or we don't have to do everything. Like even today, I'm like, mm, I had to, I was like, guys, I'm picking you up. We're going to Target because we got to get a birthday present for a birthday party that you are going to this weekend and get you new sneakers and a couple other things for the house. And then I'm like, I don't really have time to squeeze that. And maybe I could race. And I was like, no, not, not doing it. I'll do it on Friday. I'll do it another day. We'll find another time because it's not worth my sanity to feel like I have to race these kids, then race home, make dinner and keep doing the whole thing. So I think, you know, when it comes yeah. to all this, like feeling anxious, like it's understandable, right? After all of the things that, I mean, we went a lot of directions in this whole episode, but sure. it, it's very understandable why parents may feel anxious, a little wound up or, or, or depressed or have other, and it's, it's part of being a human, right? Is just, that's just kind of how it is. Um, but that it's okay for you to take time for yourself. And also there is value in that for your kids and for the tone of your home, like how it sets kind of that environment for your home too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The idea of modeling, right. We talked about it. You know, if you can't take care of yourself, right. Then how are you going to teach your kid to take care of themselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's just, yeah, it's It's a trickle down effect. Yeah. And that's, uh, that actually was like almost, the basic premise and most of what we talked about when we had that parent speaker series with Lex, it was like, he was just like the very first thing that he talked about. He was like, it's not about, it's not about your kids. It's about you. Basically it's like you and your own, your stuff and your own relationship with yourself. So, um, and again, I'll link that up in the show notes. Okay. So we like to end every episode with a, or most episodes with a take action tip, even though of course there were many tips kind of sprinkled throughout this entire episode. But if there was one thing you could tell parents to do after listening to this conversation, what would it be? So I'm going to go with start to define today, start to define what self-care means to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. If you can define that, 
a lot of the stuff we talked about today will flow from that, mm. right? So again, whether it's the modeling that we talked about or coping skills, what does self-care look like to you? Ask yourself that question today, mm-hmm. you know? Can you say, can you say, what did you say coping skills are? It's something fat, like temporary and easy to make you feel better. Is that what it is? Uh, well, I hope it's easy, but <laughs> the, the two, the two factors there for me are, is it's, it, they're temporary. So, you, and I say temporary and emphasize that because it's, I don't want people to think that if you do a coping skill, like your problems go away. So if you have anxiety, if you have depression, it's not just, I have to go for a walk. And then, you know, I'm never going to have anxiety ever again. So you have to understand that it's temporary, but it's also something that does its design, hopefully to make you feel good. Right. So it's to get you from this spot that I don't like to a spot where I now feel better and I can deal with whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So those to me are the two, the two hallmarks or two of the hallmarks of what a, a coping skill is, okay. you know? So it's also gotta, why it's so dangerous, as we talked about earlier. Find, <laughs> people find, can get creative. Yes. Yeah. Find some healthy coping skills, hopefully, yes. that, that we like. So if anybody wanted to look up um, Sonari today or learn more about you or the organization, where would they find that information? I uh, just go to sonaritoday.com. That's our website. And, you know, it's probably the best place to, to start for us. Uh, and it'll give you most of the information that you would need, you know, how to connect with any of our staff, uh, the programs that we have, you know, a lot of different, we believe in the holistic approach. So we have a functional medicine department, you know, individual therapy, you know, all kinds of stuff, outpatient groups, you know, you name it. You have a lot. Uh, we're, we're do, yeah. You yeah. Have hopefully. Mul- yeah. In multiple locations too, throughout Chester yes, and Montgomery absolutely. County. And Delco, I think too. The- yeah. Delaware. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're, yeah, we're, we're expanding. So it's, you know, Mike, thanks yeah. for joining us today. This is a great conversation. It was my pleasure, Chrissy. Thanks so much. Thank you everyone for joining us today. You will find information and links to everything we talked about in the show notes, including links to my Instagram and Facebook to see more info related to the podcast resources in our blog. Be sure to click subscribe or follow in your podcast app so you can stay up to date on our latest episodes. And if you are liking our pod, we would love it if you would share it with a friend or also give us a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, because that helps other people find the show. So we will talk to you in two weeks. Bye.